Are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast, episode 60. Today's episode is called Insourcing. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about the opposite of outsourcing, which is apparently called insourcing. Which is so imaginative. You thought you were so clever, hey? Let's call it insourcing. I thought I made this word up. (laughs) I really did. I was so excited. And then I started doing research and I was like, oh, this is like actually a whole thing in corporate America. This is like a term that's used a lot. And I started going down a rabbit hole. I Googled it and I ended up on like the archives of the Obama administration website looking at their insourcing directives from 2012. And I was like, man, I'm like actually behind the times here thinking that I came up with this theory. (laughs) But people are not using it for small business, which is what we want to talk about. Yep. Today's episode is really built around this whole idea of digital artisanship, which is something that we've just hinted at. I think we've talked about, maybe we haven't. I don't ever know what what we actually like put on the podcast or what we just say to each other in private. It's all a blur. It's all the same. So you get like a little piece of this bigger puzzle. But digital artisanship is this idea that we're working on about how to take what we do on the internet and cultivate it the same way that we do in our real lives in terms of artisanship and craftsmanship and um, really putting intentionality behind what we do. So the internet, in our opinion, is littered with a lot of filler content and throwaway social content, blog content, podcast content. And what we're really trying to do strategically, intentionally, intuitively as founders and as business owners is to start to be incredibly focused with what we put out into the world and to sort of put that same sort of heart and craftsmanship into our digital content as well to hopefully encourage others to do that as well. Yes, I think the reputation that the internet has when you have business online, it's scammy and spammy and you know it's not beautiful and and it kind of is yeah Yeah. the majority (laughs) of it is and that's what we want to change we want to have those conversations that you know it doesn't all have to be like that like I think my mom (laughs) was like you have a business on the internet like she's like ooh, like there's this ick factor to it and you know what it's a powerful tool and it doesn't have to be like that at all yeah and the truth is is that everyone has a business on the internet for the most part, like unless you're like a blacksmith or something that like has no website. I mean, if you have a website and you have an email marketing service at all, or you have anything that you sell online or market online, you have a business on the internet. I mean, that's modern business. And so I think since our culture and our economy has evolved to this, we need to start to put down standards and best practices about what it means to have a business on the internet. So we had this period of the Wild West online where it was kind of hucksters and and snake oil salesmen and con men. You notice I'm like all using masculine terms here. (laughs) I'm not sort of half intentionally doing that. Um, But those are the words we have in our vocabulary. But like that, that's what the internet was known for. And Seth Godin just had a post that came out recently about this. And And I think that it's now time to start creating 
a conversation about what else the internet can be. And I know there are other people doing that. And there are, there are really reputable, respectable business people online. And what we want to do is start to have a conversation about what it means. Like, what are those best practices? What are those standards? And how do we ensure that we're running our businesses responsibly. So this is kind of a little thread that we're going to keep carrying through this podcast, both in our own conversations as well as interviews that we have coming out in the near future. For the topic of today, we're talking about insourcing because it's something that we have our own experience with. um, And we want to sort of tell you a little bit more about how this has evolved for us as business owners and entrepreneurs and how you may choose to follow suit. The going philosophy online is is that you should sort of outsource from day one. And we don't really say outsource. Like we talk about things in online business, like you should have a VA and you should be basically distributing out tasks as much as possible so that you can reserve your time for your so-called unique genius. And, you know, I sort of half bought into it, half like 10% bought into this for a little while um, because everyone says the same thing. Like every message that we read and see and, and learn from our communities has been, you know, like you need to be giving out tasks. Um, anything that you don't have to do yourself, you need to give out to someone else or hire out to someone else. So Sandy, that didn't totally resonate with us, right? Like either of us from day one. Yeah, that was the thing. Like go get yourself a VA. Like, who knows a good VA? I need a VA. And um, I think what we want to question is, do you need a VA or do you need to outsource that or can you do it yourself? And I remember in my early online days, having just come from having sold a business, um, an in-person brick and mortar business, I would have loved to have someone to help me in those days to just keep myself organized. I dreamed of having some sort of assistant. Then when I went online and everybody was talking about hiring VAs and how to interview them and how to find them. And I was like thinking this was so great. But then when it really came down to it, it's like, well, what would I have them do? Like, what what would I have them do? And I have to pay for them. And also just the thought of telling them what to do and, you know, giving them instructions was a bit overwhelming when I myself was not clear exactly what I was doing. What I was doing in, in at that time was building my other software company. So I was doing some research and getting on the phone and taking notes and thinking and sketching stuff out and that kind of thing. So, but everyone around us, including you, you were doing the same thing. And in this community that we were immersed in, everybody was hiring VAs and it was like the thing, like, don't do it yourself. Go get someone else. Just hire someone else this to do it. This still the thing. Like four years later, Sandy, I think that's why I want to talk about this more because this is still what everyone is told to do. Like, in, I mean, we are in a bazillion online communities, both of our peers as well as other communities um, that serve our client base. Like we are in so many communities. And I feel like this is still, you know, maybe this is working for other people. But I want to talk about what it means to say it's working for you. And I want to talk about why we've pulled back, where we've pulled back, what we've done instead, and why I think this is like the best thing that's happened to our business in forever. So, you know, let's just sort of roll back here and let's talk about what insourcing is too, because I want to make the distinction early in the podcast that we're using the term differently than it's used sort of culturally. So if you come from corporate, the corporate world, you may already know this term, And the way that insourcing is typically used in in corporate America or 
corporate Canada for the sake of <laughs> it doesn't really our work. northern friend here on the other line. Um, <laughs> I'm so used Canada. to saying corporate America, and I have to like constantly audit myself, Sandy, because I realize like you're not in. But like that's we're so weird to, to me. We're so I know you're used, used to, to it. it. I know you're used to it, but I just I feel. I feel like kind of bad. You know, I catch myself like, oh, I shouldn't say this. So anyway, so some of you may already know this term. And so like the culturally outsourcing has been taking jobs from one place and sending them somewhere for cheaper labor, right? So this has happened all over North America. Jobs have been sent primarily to Asia, Eastern Europe, Asia, Latin America, but mostly Asia. And so there's been like this massive push with big companies sending jobs overseas, like manufacturing jobs and increasingly white collar jobs. And that's a phenomenon, right? And so then we've gotten to a point in North America where there's this alternative movement called insourcing, which involves bringing jobs back home. So if you do a little research like I did, you'll start to see where this has happened. I know Keen, the shoeer manufacturer. I can talk about that. <laughs> you can talk about that, Sandy. So I, one of the case studies I was looking at was that, that they closed down a plant or a factory in China and built a factory just outside of their headquarters in Portland, Oregon, like five miles away from their company headquarters to bring the manufacturing home. And there's a bunch of other examples of this happening in the last you know five years or so. So that's one example of how people are using the term insourcing, which I think is fascinating. Another way that we've seen the term used has been to take independent contractors and sort of like bring them in house um, and to do certain jobs. And so that's sort of like, I don't know, it's sort of like outsourcing, but you're actually bringing people physically into your company for a short period of time to do a specific job. So that's how this term is used widely in our economy and in our culture. But for the purposes of, of our usage, Sandy, we're talking about actually taking responsibilities away from outsourced independent contractors that we were using or agencies or or you know other people besides the two of us and taking those responsibilities back ourselves and owning them Um, and so that's a huge departure like from what is expected in the online business world or in the startup world. So either of the worlds that we operate in, this is like a really radical departure. The fact that it's working for us, I think means we should talk about it more because it might work for other people too. And it's just sort of this taboo topic because part of the reason we haven't spoken out about this more in recent months is because I think that there is a negative association when you when you take the work back, right? Like it's almost seen as a failure. Well, you don't have a team of 12? (laughs) Right, or 14 or 18 or 37. Yeah, you know, what we've done is we've cut our team pretty dramatically in the last nine months. Mm -hmm. And one reason that people would do this is is financial. Um, That's not the primary reason that we did it. It is a nice bonus to be able to free up some of that money to use um, for other things in the company that I think are are potentially a lot more strategic for us. However, the the primary reason that I wanted to do this and that, that I felt sort of I've continued to feel driven to do this and maintain it is control and time. So when we were just doling out tasks left and right to other people without even knowing what was going on, it just, our business sort of got away from us. Our company didn't feel as much like ours. The public face of the brand didn't look like what we were trying to make. Like we didn't even know how to fix it. It's really hard to communicate 
to someone else, like how to how to really show your brand publicly. And I, I think that's part of the problem. It's because it's so much of a part of our marketing is social media. And it's this fluid, continual thing. Whereas before you could tell a designer what an ad should look like. And you know, here's the color, here's the fonts. And it'd be this sort of static thing that you could sort of work on back and forth together and someone else could do that for you. But with social media, I really struggle now that we've taken it back and we've completely immersed and you know dedicated to figuring this out and who we are and how we show up online. I don't know how someone else can do it for you. I really yeah, I don't either. At this point, I'm completely baffled how you can outsource that. And maybe there's social media managers out there that can can enlighten us. But I I think it's so important to go through this phase of of doing it ourselves and experimenting and testing our voices and getting used to putting our faces out there. And just watching, like what's been so amazing, Jenny, is just even just as recent as this week, being a little bit more visible, you know, our faces, our lives, our our values, our values, our values stated yeah. out there and the engagement in the interactions. And I'm talking specifically around Instagram right now. It's been amazing. And nobody could do that for us. Nobody. Yeah. And it doesn't just show up on Instagram either. It shows no. up in our inboxes. It shows up in like Facebook Messenger. Like people feel more connected and it's and we're not any different. We're just we're just owning our brand and our behavior in a different way. And so maybe maybe it helps to sort of tell the backstory a little bit about this. Like, for example, when we started, it was me and um, one developer and me. So I had to figure everything out myself and I like I spent, to the extent that I spent any time on social media, I was on Facebook. And it was a little bit amazing because it was back in the day where I could kind of do anything on Facebook and everyone would see it. So we been, we had an unfair advantage back then. But like that's all I did was Facebook. Facebook to webinars or Facebook to demos. And it kind of worked for a long time. And then my friend, um, Vanessa, who started the brand All You Can Yoga, for those of you who know Vanessa's work. I love Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa, if you're listening. Um, Vanessa one day told me, like, you need to have an Instagram account because she has, I don't know, bazillion, trillion, zillion followers on Instagram. Her whole brand was built on the platform. And I was like, ah, I don't have time for that. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. And I mean, I used Instagram personally for, I was, an, I think, an early adopter of the platform and, and used it sort of like to just stay in touch with friends and family and share my stories with them but my pictures with them. But she's like, no, Namastream needs to be on Instagram. And she actually created our account. And we have that like first post in there still. We're not deleting it, right? Like it's Vanessa's post. And um, and I was like, I don't, tell me, just tell me what to do. I might've deleted it. Did you delete it? I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope not, that made me really sad. I didn't. But, but like, I was like, just tell me what to do. And she's so smart, right? But she gave me great advice and it worked great for her. And I just couldn't, I didn't have time to do it. And so social media, that's basically been our experience all like on every platform other than like really cultivating and paying attention to our Facebook group. Everything else has I've been just like to whomever on our team, like here, go do this. And it's been different people over time. Um, we've not really outsourced beyond our team. It, like we don't never hired like an agency to manage Instagram or Twitter. We did have a Pinterest agency for over a year, but it's it's not. I, I mean, I never, you, Sandy, you, you and I never owned any of it other than no, our group. Just please, we're just do like it. we don't have time for that. We run a software company. I've got more important things to do. Yeah, both of us are like I don't. And then the the folks on our team who would ask us like, well, what should we do about this? Like just 
figure it out. Figure it out. I don't know. Here, what course do you need? Let me buy it for you. I don't care. Figure it out. And so that's essentially been our entire social media strategy. Like here, we'll just throw some people and some money at it. It'll work itself out. And I, and I think what happened is that we had no idea what was happening. Like we started to look at our feeds and be like, this isn't us. Like this isn't actually what we want to build. And it's not their fault. Like we were constantly asked for feedback and advice. And I, I bear full responsibility for this. Like I just didn't know what to say. Like, I don't know, figure it out. You have good taste. (laughs) Like learn from what other people are doing. And so for me, I'm the kind of person that loves to own something and to be innovative and to take something on. And for the most part, like that's not how other people are. (laughs) Like that's what I've learned. And so people really want a direction and I'm not interested in doing that around social media. So finally, you know, several months ago, we just sort of were like, okay, we're just gonna stop everything and just leave it. Like we just stopped posting for a long time on anything pretty much. And we're like, okay, well, we've got to figure this out. Like either we're just going to leave it alone and not do anything, or we're going to decide if it's important to our business, we're going to actually own it. And we're going to do it from our hearts and like put our best work into it. And so that's what's happened in recent months. And we've spent a lot of time and energy, Sandy, you and I, Mm -hmm. like really learning how to do it, like how to do it well. It's not like we didn't know how to use social media. Like we've run for years a social media challenge. Intellectually, we know how to use it, right? But we didn't know how to do it from our own brand standpoint. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. It was also at that point that you're talking about, it was also when we were working with Kelly Deals, who was a big corner that we turned with her when she said, you guys have to embody your brand. And we're like, what? What do you mean embody our, we do embody our brand. But if you look at your feed, we our our feed at that time is, we were nowhere. She's like, who are you? Like, I don't have no idea who you are. And so that, that was, that was really what started these conversations and examination of what do we want to achieve? Yeah, no, that's totally true. And and folks can go back and listen to the podcast embodiment to learn more about that. We've, we've taken that embodiment theme into all areas of our company. I'm not just social or branding. But yeah, I mean, I do think Kelly had a lot to do with it and still does. Um, And, you know, she gave us a bunch of advice, a lot of which we're not even, you know, the tactical advice we're not using because it's it's not relevant to us, at at least, you know, the like rebel and and questioner in us is like, no, we'll just do it our own way. But the idea, the nugget of wisdom like is there and is, is sort of having a huge impact on us. I think, Sandy, that for many people, like, you know, for for people who are sort of solopreneurs, like single business owners, and your brand is you, I, I think you have less of a, a struggle with this. But for us, we're a team and we're a partnership and we're a software startup, but we're also we're also us as humans. And how do we show up in this larger brand? Um, because the brand is us. Like we are mm-hmm. running the company every day. Like we are triaging support requests and feature requests and turning them into product. Like we are dealing with our clients and we are problem solving and we are mentoring and we are teaching. And so when Kelly said that, I was like, we are our brand. What are you talking about? Our, just ask our clients. We're here every day. Mm-hmm. We're there for them. Like we'll hop on the phone. What do they need? And But to the public, to people who just encounter us, you know, for the first time, like we weren't there. And I totally see that now. Yeah. And so 
yeah, I would really encourage all of you who are saying, like, would someone please, like, may, I can just hire someone's, you know, teenager to do my social media. I've heard people, uh, some of our clients say that. And I just don't think it works. And it goes back to one of the office hours that we did recently about, um, no, I think it was in the ephemeral uh, podcast about, like, you've got to just accept this is the way the business is done now. The marketing is done. You're going to get new clients because of the social media marketing. And you need to figure this out. And you need to just embrace it. And I, I just don't think you can outsource it. Yeah, when we do the math and we figure, you know, such a high percentage of our traffic, for example, comes from Pinterest. And um, I wasn't making the Pinterest graphics or sharing the Pinterest graphics or maintaining our account in any way for a long, like for a long time. And I look at our Pinterest feed and I think like, I don't want to click on this and I don't want to understand this brand. I don't want to know this brand. Like that made me feel like, hold on, this is actually really critical to the growth of our company because this is how we're we're getting new clients. And the way that they encounter our brand for the first time doesn't represent us and our values um, and our mm -hmm. aesthetic or anything. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that actually means like, it's worth my time to really learn how to master that platform, at least for now, as long as that, platform is sending us more traffic than anything other than Google, I, I better as heck know how to use that platform. Yeah, so I would imagine that there's some listeners who are going, that sounds really great, but the time that it takes to do that, like I've got other work in life, in a family, and I can't add the time that it's going to take for me to spend on social media. So what do you say to that? You can't not do it. Like, what else are you doing that's more important than this? We've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about the importance of marketing for entrepreneurs. And um, not that either of us even want to know how to do that. Like, we don't, I wish I didn't have to do that, but I do. And it's more than half of my business. Like, more, it, it's more than half of the time I should spend in my business. And same for you. And probably more for you because we also have a software product. Like, we're also like product managers. And, you know, we have to understand the product side in a way that you all don't because we take that away from you or who, who you know, wherever you put your content, like, you shouldn't have to know all of that. So I, I would say, like, what else are you doing that's more important than this? And for a long time, I felt like everything else is more important than that, Sandy. But that's just mm -hmm. because we weren't statistically looking at the, at the, you know, the metrics we yeah. needed to look at. Like, I, you need to live in your Google Analytics account. You need to. Like, you need to understand how as people... As painful find, as it is to get yeah, in there. Man, it is hard to get in there. <laughs> like, I wish... Yeah. Yeah. A woman didn't design that interface. What you can outsource is perhaps things that anybody can do. Like, for example, someone could clean your house. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, smart decision of what it makes sense to outsource. What in your life is really, like, what doesn't matter that it has your signature or stamp of approval or your essence infused into it? And, like, outsource that stuff. So, for example, um, we have stuff that we outsource still. You know, having gone through some of the business literature, Sandy, on outsourcing versus insourcing, I actually mm -hmm. think that translates to small business and online entrepreneurship very well. So the rule of thumb in the Fortune 500 world is that you should outsource tasks that are discrete 
and that have a defined start and end date and that your team does not have core competency in. Those are the things you should outsource. So for example, if you are not technical, you should probably outsource your web design, like your website. If you don't have a website, you you are building you know, a company, like a brand, you should outsource the web design if you can afford it, right? That's a discrete task that has a, a de- defined start and end date period for whom there are professionals that you can work with to do that, right? Like that's an example versus your social media, (laughs) outsourcing that to an agency. Now that I've done this a little bit and, and not done it, I've had it both ways. It doesn't make any sense. So something that's ongoing and a core part of who you are and what your presence is in as an entrepreneur, like that doesn't make any sense. And I feel like we're probably gonna get some angry messages from social media managers. But the truth is, is like, I don't, it's it's not their fault. They can't embody your essence. And you need to be at least for, I would say, no fewer than 12 to 18 months. Maybe Sandy will we'll change our game once we've been mm-hmm. like, here's the formula. This is what we do. This is the part we need to be involved in every day or every week. And this is what you can have. And if we can systematize that, maybe other people do that better, That then maybe you can outsource it. But I'm not there yet, so I don't believe it. Yeah, it might be a different phase of business that we're just not, we're not there. But I will say there's a bunch of garbage on social. And so my sense is that those are not the creators of those brands making that garbage. And anyway, this is a longer conversation. This is part of our our overall theory is that we think that this is what needs to change. The internet is littered with a bunch of fluff and filler and garbage. And I I think we don't want to contribute to that. Like we want to be, to the extent that we're putting anything out there, We want it to be something that at a minimum is meaningful to us and something we feel proud of. So if there's some post going out from your brand that you don't feel like is your best work, then don't put it out there. Because the truth is, I don't think it's going to get you clients. Like, I I don't think that that's helpful. So anyway, that's my opinion. It, It may evolve. But there's a bunch of garbage. Like, look on Pinterest. Like, look on Instagram. Search the hashtag, like, business or entrepreneur on Instagram or on Pinterest and see what comes up and tell me that that's not a bunch of garbage. It's garbage. I've been on Instagram a lot and looking at hashtags and following hashtags and to find good quality content is really, uh, really hard, but it's also an opportunity, right? Like if you can put out some really good, consistent stuff, you will get the follows. Yeah. No, we are already like taking over the hashtags on those platforms that we want to rank for like within a week. Yeah. I mean, it's like not hard, folks, once you are there and you're producing something of value and you can get your aesthetic down. It's it, there's a huge opportunity and the engagement, like just asking the yeah. questions and getting people to respond. Yeah. And, and yeah. being present and being yourself. So I think all of that is I mean, we can get into this strategy in a few months and do a podcast on like exactly what we're doing once we've cracked the code and we can give you some some data. But the signs are pointing that it works. And, and the other piece I wanted to share here is is that you and I we've been talking about the Sandy we have more work that we do ourselves than we did this time last year. Like we've taken mm-hmm. on more of the business ourselves. Like we've we've moved tasks around and we but we've cut out a lot of what I consider the fat of the company. We really have looked at every task and every tool and sort of every element of our business and our brand and said like does this need to exist? So either it's yes or no. And a lot of stuff we've just been like we don't really need to do this. Like let's just get rid of it. We're taking it back 
but it's obviously way more efficient in and that's the result and it's like graphics we were making like five different sides graphics every time a blog post came out and it's like okay we were paying someone to do that this is ridiculous how else can we do this so we can make one size or two size or not five you know and yeah. and we found a way and we wouldn't have even have asked the question or looked if we had just continued to outsource yeah if we didn't take the tasks on ourselves we wouldn't have questioned the inefficiency though and i totally blame myself for this like I didn't have a plan, a good plan or good direction. And that's what I think a lot of new entrepreneurs or startups or small businesses do. Like we don't know everything from day one and you can't, and it's not your fault. You can't be a master of everything. I was focused on the software, which is what I should have been focused on. So I'm yeah. happy that I was focused on my software and not focused on learning everything about how to optimize Pinterest, right? Like that was not the best use of me at that point in time. And it still maybe isn't arguably, but I'm doing it with a small percentage of my time now. And I feel like how, you know, this is, we own it. When you own something and you take ownership sort of psychologically of a product or a project, it has a totally different feel to the people out there experiencing it. And that's just the way the world works. Yeah, absolutely. There's a few accounts that we follow on Instagram where we know that the owners were doing their own and posting and creating the content and and then it was taken over by someone and we're like, oh, you can just Oh, you can totally sense see it. it, right? It's like, yeah. oh, this is disappointing. You can see it very clearly. For those of you who want to have a, a social experiment, go into our Pinterest, Namastream, at Namastream, and then um, click on pins, like all pins, and then just scroll. And there, you will get to a point on the page in the scroll where you'll be like night and day because mm -hmm. I haven't gone back and changed it all. And again, this is no offense to our team members that were doing that or to the agency that we were working with either because it, it was a whole bunch of other people working on our account for a long time. And um, no offense, I bear full responsibility. Everyone we've worked with on this has been amazing. However, Sandy, you and I go from being not existent in that to being fully present with like the snap of the fingers. And, and I think that's the difference, right? Like mm -hmm. everything we sell on the internet is like, like it's a human relationship that happens over a digital, you know, a, a digital transaction, mm -hmm. but it's a human connection that gets made. And so if we want to connect with people, we have to show up and we have to show up in the places where people are hanging out. And so for us, that yeah. means sort of like, I don't know, playing in these, in the playing a role that we didn't expect to be playing at this stage of our, of our business, but it's been really fun. Mm -hmm. And I, what I was starting to say too, is that you and I are do, taking on more tasks, but I think I feel like my workload is lighter, I think because I enjoy it. Um, and I feel fully present in the business. And I, I feel like every single thing that I've taken on, I did with intention versus a year ago or two years ago, God forbid, I was like, it was team meetings. It was like triage all the time. It was like, who needs what by then? I was just managing people and I had no idea what was going on. And um, and I don't know, you know, maybe it's just me. I don't want to, like, I have zero desire to manage a large team of people. I think that's, that's also a learning, you know, it's mm -hmm. like information, data point. <laughs> I kind of knew this. I've experienced this before. My, my partner and I in the nonprofit space before I got into this line of work, we had an opportunity, I think, to grow an organization to be pretty big. And both of us were like, I don't want to run a big nonprofit. Me neither. OK, you know, like that's helpful to know that about yourself. And I feel that same way about a company like I want to grow a, like a very tight, very well run ship that you and I, Sandy, kind of 
steer and we have a we have a really small very nimble like really good team right now and i'm super excited about Mm -hmm. it yeah i'm with you yeah good thing (laughs) okay let's do joy and hustle you have the joy okay so I want to talk about a book that I read a long, long time ago that I'm trying to get Sandy to read that I think everyone should read if you haven't read it yet. Um, it's one of my favorite books, and it's called Hand Wash Cold. Uh, the subtitle is Care Instructions for an Ordinary Life, and it's an old book. It's from 2010. I think that's probably when I read it. And it's basically, if I'm remembering it correct, because I have it out to read again, to reread. It's written by this woman who sort of had a high-powered, ambitious career. Like, I don't know, maybe it was in marketing. It was very focused. um, She was a very focused career woman. And she ended up becoming a Zen Buddhist priest. And she switched, like, completely her mindset around what it meant to sort of live a joyful, fulfilled life. So she started, she had outsourced all these tasks like her laundry and her house cleaning and who knows what else. And um, she just had to outsource them because she was too busy working all the time. And at some point, she started to take these tasks back on and do them herself. And she started to really um, take pleasure and take solace and have almost, it was a spiritual experience to sort of like wash the dishes and fold the laundry and engage in with meaning in the day-to-day tasks of her life. And so I think that's that that applies to business as well. I feel like that's what we've done in our business is we've started to sort of own even like the most mundane or silly tasks. Like we've started to really pay attention to them and do them with care. And it's, it feels a bit like a spiritual practice to me. So I would encourage everyone to read this book. I think um, it's beautifully written. She has another book out that I read when I had my daughter called Mama Zen. And it's it's her perspective on parenting, which I also really enjoyed. Cool. Yeah, I do plan on reading that one. I, I just love the title even. Uh, So the hustle for this week is a software tool called Tailwind, and um, we're mentioning this for a couple of reasons. Um, Tailwind is the tool that Jenny uses to schedule our Pinterest posts to go out consistently throughout the day, Um, and it is also an Instagram scheduling tool as well. And hot off the press, Instagram has announced that they are now allowing uh, certain third-party apps to uh, allow you to schedule and publish. The app itself can now schedule and publish before you had to kind of copy and paste it into your own Instagram. And Tailwind is one of the approved partners. So we are going to be looking a little bit closer at this at this super powerful tool um, so that you can make yourself a little bit more efficient. Um, and again, these tools make it so easy now to 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 insource right because you're still doing it but you know in years ago we would have had to have help to schedule all this stuff and post post in real time but these tools are very helpful yeah i just think when there is a technology application that allows you to reduce your workload there's a lot more that you can take on and let's just be clear though like a hundred years ago we all thought well we weren't alive but our ancestors thought that technical innovation was going to allow us to have more free time and more downtime. And what we've done instead, which is the story we all know, is we've just increased productivity and focused on that. And um, everyone works more hours, longer hours, and harder than ever before. And so it just, I just want to say at the end of this episode, like how much is enough, right? Like if you can use a tool to automate something for you that's going to save you three hours a week, like rather than adding three hours more of work to your life like can you not use those three hours for something else (laughs) that's all there you go (laughs) 
nugget of wisdom. Okay, folks, we will see you on Wednesday for office hours. Have a good week. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample. Soulful.